picture a freezing, salty, and loud island in the middle of the ocean. That is South Georgia Island in Antarctica. It's home to polar creatures like the dapper-looking penguins, large and lumbering elephant seals, graceful blue and fin whales, and until recently, rats. Rats were a big problem on this island. Being the smart and adaptable creatures they are, they figured out how to nest in burrows that were left behind by other birds, steal bird eggs and chicks, and thereby decimate the local bird population which were essential to the well-being of the island. They used up resources meant by nature for the fur seals and penguins so effectively that us humans had to intervene. Scientists used poisoned bait, or in a 2014 project, scientists used poisoned bait to eradicate every last rat from the island, and biodiversity currently is, is slowly returning, restoring itself. While the eradication operation on South Georgia was a success, what would happen if invasive species were present at every corner of the globe? Would we spend the money and resources using brute force to re re redistribute them? And invasive species are usually the ones that cause chaos to all the ecosystems. Is, is there a better way to restore biodiversity? And yes, there is. Hello everyone, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Amygdala Podcast. My name is Siddhant Karmali, and I am a high schooler from California. This fifth episode will discuss how humanity can apply the incredibly powerful technology of gene editing to restore the balance of natural ecosystems. This South Georgia example proves that we're maintaining a very precarious equilibrium in our relationship with the environment, and it is time to fix it. And in recent years, that balance is getting increasingly close to tipping over. We need to find a more effective way to intervene than spending a lot of money and resources. And when I say that, the South Georgia rat eradication operation took around four years and cost $13.5 million for, for rather small areas of impact. Perhaps using genetic engineering technology, including but not limited to gene drives and CRISPR-Cas9, could provide a potential solution. But this is coming back to the, the introduction episode, or the third episode of the podcast overall, which is the main point of the Hydrocene series, which is that the solution has to be regenerative. Like, that's its prime directive, is that it has to be regenerative. And it has to actively bring back a certain aspect of the environment. With artificial intelligence, it was its specialty was one directly regenerating the environment, as we saw with drone seed, and collecting tremendous amounts of biological data about ecosystems. Similarly, genetic engineering's claim to hydrocene prominence is its potential to redistribute and regenerate biodiversity so that ecosystems can continue to thrive. It can potentially be used to solve problems similar to and on the scale of the South Georgia rat infestation, but with far less money, resources, and time invested in that project. One such genetic engineering technique, called a gene drive, is currently being used in Africa to fight against malaria. A gene drive is a type of genetic engineering technology that can improve the odds that a certain gene gets inherited by offspring in a population. And it does that by entering or by scientists injecting it into, let's say, an, a mosquito, and it's able to disable genes as that as that organism reproduces. 
In one study, a CRISPR-Cas9 gene drive was used on Anopheles mosquitoes, and Anopheles are the main vector of malaria. And this gene drive targeted two genes. There's the double sex, or DSX gene, and the ZPG, or zero population growth gene. The aim of the project was to reduce the fertility of mosquitoes and keep malaria from spreading within that population of mosquitoes. The research team noticed a greater reduction in the fertility of heterozygous females when the father was injected with the gene drive that knocked out the female version of the double sex gene. So if an affected male mates with a wild female, then the offspring will be affected as well because the gene drive makes the affected allele favored. This essentially uses the male mosquito as a vector for transmitting the gene drive through mating, which then makes the females infertile because they then inherited two defective copies of the double sex gene. Techniques used in studies such as this one will, will improve biodiversity since malaria not only affects humans but also spe other species of animals. Eradicating malaria from the population would allow greater survivability of several animals beneficial to the African ecosystem. This greater biodiversity itself also protects against disease, since if one species is affected by disease, another unaffected species can fulfill its ecological niche. This method is called transmission interference. Like, a quick example, if a hawk can carry a certain disease, but an eagle, which fulfills a similar niche in the ecosystem, does not, then even if the hawks are affected by the disease, the eagles will maintain their position and the trophic structure of the ecosystem will be maintained. This is an example of how genetic engineering can indirectly help increase biodiversity and allow ecosystems to regenerate by themselves. Now. Let's talk about a direct example of how genetic engineering can help increase biodiversity. The American chestnut tree was once a major component of America's temperate forests and is a species that several other forest dwellers rely on for food and shelter. However, the American chestnut blight disease has decimated the population of these trees and this affected the population of many other animals depending on it including squirrels, deer, blue jays, etc. Scientists have now implemented genetic editing technology, namely CRISPR-Cas9, to insert a gene that would produce a compound protecting against this blight. Seeds that carry this gene can then crossbreed with the existing chestnut trees, and then that gene will start to become dominant within the population. The population of trees that have protection from the blight will then increase. However, there are, there are potential risks with this technology. Sometimes the insertion may not work and the trees may not be protected. So the way to minimize this is by starting with breeding modified trees with each other um, would allow, and that would allow for greater potential, uh, percentage of protected trees to form. It's like when you breed two dominant purple pea plants together, for example, and all of their offspring turn out purple. It's similar to this, except with a lot more genes. And so there will still be a greater percentage if we start to breed the ones that are protected. 
And then once that happens, the trees can be bred along with existing, the non-GE trees. What, give it enough time and soon the blight-resistant chestnut trees will be able to repopulate the forests. And when that happens, they'll be alive with the sounds of animals at every corner of the forest floor. Well, not that dramatic. But with genetic engineering, we can regenerate the population and potentially bring back the lost diversity. Thus, genetic engineering can directly be used to regenerate the ecosystems destroyed by human technology. Genetic engineering can be used to help regenerate the, the biodiversity of several ecosystems both indirectly and directly. But we need to act quickly and invest resources in these types of technologies if we're to maximize their success. And we will realize that saving the planet in a regenerative manner is of the utmost importance. We can pull off a South Georgia scale event of restoring the balance of biodiversity with less time and fewer resources if we invest in it now, if we start researching now. Thank you so much everyone for listening in. This has been the fifth episode of the Amigula podcast and the second or the third of the Hydrocene series entitled Genetic Engineering and the Hydrocene. Please write any feedback in the comments or at amygdalapodcast.com. And you can also follow this podcast on Instagram at, at amygdala underscore podcast. And on Patreon at patreon.com slash amygdalapodcast. I hope you all enjoyed it, and we will return for the next episode. Thank you.